Sycamore's Making History is brought to you by the Department of History at Indiana State University in Terre Haute, Indiana. Hosted by Caleb Fleshner, a Terre Haute attorney and 2012 history alum, the podcast highlights the stories and contributions of students, faculty, alumni, and friends of the ISU Department of History. Thank you for joining us. All right, well, welcome everyone. We are here for our third uh, podcast for uh, Sycamore's Making History. Uh, and as always, we are here in order to help highlight our graduating seniors and also highlight a few of our faculty members. And today we have our two guests. Um, it's going to be a social studies education uh, centered podcast today. We have uh, Dr. Dan Clark and Elena Thomas. Uh, so, Elena, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience for us? Yeah, hi. Um, I am a social studies education major. Um, I just wrapped up my student teaching. I am from a small town called Borden, Indiana. I went to a very small high school before I came to Indiana State. I graduated with 38 people. Everybody's always uh, shocked about that. Um, <laughs> 38 people? 38 people. Wow. Here I thought I was a small school. Yeah, everybody always says that. They're like, wow, I thought I went to a small school. I graduated with like 100. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I came to Indiana State because it's the teacher's college, of course, and I wanted to be a teacher. When I came for my visit, it was a great time. I had a great experience. Um, They, of course, tell you all about the teacher's college and um, university and all of that and I was just hooked I felt like it was home I was really excited I actually started out as an elementary education major and switched to social studies ed um, pretty quickly I'd mm-hmm. say probably a few weeks into my freshman year and I've been here ever since oh well thank you very much for joining us we're excited to have here have you here and obviously we're excited uh, for your future and uh, graduating from Indiana State Uh, Dr. Clark, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Sure. Um, My name's Dan Clark, obviously. uh, I've been been a professor here at Indiana State, uh, I think, 17 years. It was the 17th year this past academic year. I'm from Danville, Illinois, originally, not too far away. Um, Went to Schlarman High School there, a Catholic high school. Did my undergraduate at uh, Millican University over in Decatur, Illinois, and then uh, my graduate work at Purdue. Seems like a, a long time ago now, but uh, and it sort of was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, so uh, got my master's and my PhD uh, at Purdue. Although uh, the latter part, uh, when I was writing my dissertation, uh, we, my wife and I, lived down in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and we lived in Baton Rouge for uh, seven years, and it was a great, great time down there. It really helped expand my experience being down there. I started teaching at Southeastern Louisiana University when I was down there. And then was lucky enough, uh, interviewed at Indiana State. We wanted to get back to the Midwest. And uh, my wife wanted to go into academics as well. She'd been a researcher and uh, uh, lucky enough to get the job. And then she was uh, lucky enough to get the job offer at St. Mary of the Woods uh, College. So we've been here ever since. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much again for joining us as well. And as I said in the beginning, uh, we kind of want to highlight our graduating seniors and obviously our faculty members because due to the COVID-19 crisis, uh, learning has moved remotely, uh, graduation 
the commencement ceremony obviously in person has been canceled. So we just want to take this time to kind of highlight the accomplishments, what made you want to come to Indiana State, and uh, also kind of, as I said, highlight our faculty members. So Elena, I'll kind of start with you. You had indicated you were from uh, Memphis, Indiana, or a small town of Borden, Indiana, and you, you obviously have 38 kids in your graduating class. What drew you to Indiana State? What made you think that uh, Indiana State's the college for me and, and I, I want to go there? So I had actually been around campus a bit because my mom's side of the family lives here. Um, so I had been in Terre Haute off and on throughout um, my childhood and growing up. So I had been around Indiana State and near the campus and stuff. And I had actually like my cousin went here. So I had gone here to um, see her and what she goes through and kind of take a tour of campus. And she talked to me about her experience, and she had a really good experience. She was a nursing major, so different than what I wanted, but still, she had a good experience. And I decided that I wanted to at least come for a visit, check it out. So I came for my visit and learned all about the Teachers College and all about ISU's history and met the professors and had a really great experience and I really just don't know how else to describe it besides it felt like home mm -hmm. and being away from home that's something that you look for is like a home away from home so I felt so at home here and it just felt like the right decision I don't know Very how wonderful. else to describe it <laughs> well wonderful no I, I felt the same way when I, when I went to ISU as well uh, and Dr. Clark uh, you had mentioned that you'd went to Millican University in Decatur did you have a similar uh, feeling as Elena did in terms of uh, wanting to go to uh, Millican? Was it a smaller university? Uh, did you want to get that sort of feel? Yes, I did. Uh, my freshman year, I'd gone to Illinois State and didn't feel at home. Didn't like it. Um, I went to a fairly small high school. Um, there, there was just something about Illinois State I just didn't, just didn't click. I liked the classes. Um, I enjoyed that, but it just didn't feel right. Um, it is weird. It's like I remember when I every house we've ever bought is like when you walk in, you just know it feels right. Mm -hmm. um, and Millican was like that. Um, I, I I wanted to go someplace where I really could be proud of being there and, and really felt at home. And Millican, even today, uh, you go on campus and, and unlike a lot of campuses, uh, you know the kids will look you in the eye and say hello to you as you walk by. Oh, it's kind wonderful. of unnerving. Um, you know, if you're not used to it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I love the small college atmosphere. And um, Millican at that time was only about, six, you know, 1,600 students, something like that. Um, I mean, it still felt like a, a, mm -hmm. a big experience. You know, there were music students and there were athletes and there were different, you know, groups. But um, uh, I just, I love the small college feel. Yeah. Oh. It, was, it was similar, very similar to what Ms. Thomas mentioned. And uh, Dr. Clark and Elena, feel free to jump in as well with your own, you know, thoughts on it. Uh, Dr. Clark, when you were at Millican, did you always know that you wanted to be a, a teacher or go in either academia or, or teach uh, history in some way or form? No. <laughs> uh, I started out as a psychology major. I always uh, joke, uh, I, I majored in psychology, but I was asking philosophical questions. And um, it took me about a semester at Millican to figure out that psychology wasn't for me. And uh, and actually, at that time, I was more like you, Caleb. I was thinking about law school, but mm -hmm. 
like everybody else in the 80s, we wanted to go to law school and be a lawyer. Um, and I was, I'm glad you after, changed your mind. <laughs> I am too. I, I, I am too. Um, nothing against lawyers, but uh, I, I don't think uh, I, I would have been, been nearly as happy as a lawyer. Um, but I, after I switched out of psychology, I'm looking around, I'm thinking, well, what, what can I get my degree in fairly short order and get on to law school? And uh, I'd, I'd always loved history and, and, and had done well in history. And so I thought, well, history looks like, you know, as I'd taken, so I'd taken some elective courses in that just because I liked it. And that's what I had the most electives or had the most classes in. So I switched to uh, history. And then um, they had, there was a fantastic professor there. A lot of small colleges have this, you know, this one professor and uh, Dr. Proven was his name. Um, And he was just a fantastic lecturer, just spellbinding. And once you took Provan's class, uh, I was hooked. And uh, I, now even then, I had you know, I, I loved it, and I you know was so happy I was majoring in history. Um, but even then, I wasn't sure what I was. Gonna, I was still going to go to law school. It wasn't until I realized I couldn't afford law school. And I'm thinking about what else to do. And it was Provan when we were talking. We got to. I wouldn't say friends. It would, nobody really was friends with Provan. Um, but you know we. You know, he was definitely a mentor, and he suggested, you know, well, did you ever think about graduate school in history and being a professor? And I was just blown away because I'm, I never had thought about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, professors were kind of on this pedestal, and I'm like, ah, I, I, <laughs> I, I couldn't do that. And for him to suggest that I might have what it took, um, you know, because the way we talk about books, the way we talk about history in our meetings, he obviously saw something. And for him to have suggested that, really made an impression on me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then I just, I started working toward that. Um, for, for both our audience and Elena and Dr. Clark, I'm not sure if you remember, I, I was a social studies ed major and you were my advisor. And I remember sitting in your office because I didn't know if I wanted to be a teacher anymore. And you were the one who had recommended either law school or grad school. It was a similar conversation like you had with your professor. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what led me to change my major to history and then ultimately ended up in law school. Yeah. Um, it's weird how that happens. Yeah. Um, and Elena, tell us about, and I know you said you, you love the campus, you love Indiana State, uh, and the reason you came here is you wanted to be a teacher. Uh, what has the impact of Indiana State been to you? The, the professors, the, the people you've been around, the classes, how has that uh, impacted you and ultimately is going to lead you to where you want to do uh, with your future? Wow, um, I can't even begin to describe how Indiana State has impacted me. I have, I feel like I like grew up here, um, <laughs> even though I've only been here for four years. I'm <clears throat> so different than whenever I started. Um, I used to be so shy, and so um, I just kept to myself. I didn't really want to be any sort of center of attention, so I kind of uh, didn't excel in high school because I didn't want to be that way. But when I got to college, I just made it a goal to almost be the opposite. And I feel like the people that I met while I was here and my professors have just like supported me throughout that. And whenever I came here, everybody was so outgoing and welcoming. And it just made it so easy to kind of be that way whenever I had never been that way before. Mm-hmm. Um, my professors have been so supportive with any decision that I've made. They've always like helped me. Um, 
with everything, especially in education. Uh, Dr. Clark has been my advisor. He's helped me make decisions about classes that I needed that I have stressed about and worried about because I take my classes really seriously. Um, and I have since I started college because this is just something um, I just decided to be successful and be different like than I was in high school like I mentioned and everybody has just been so welcoming and I have like I said I feel like I've grown up um, so much since I got here wonderful hey, look, hey. can I can I chime in there Bowling's. Um she does look like she would be shy. So like you see her sitting in class and, uh, you know, in, in my survey in the, in the American history class that she took, I typically don't, you know, I'm kind of the classic old school professor. It's, it's all lecture all the time. I'll ask a few questions here and there, but when I, the way I structure my methods classes and social studies is the exact opposite. Um, I try to set up, um, group discussions and group work, I try to, you know, in other words, you know, whether we're going to be reading a document and then talking about it and they're going to fashion questions, I try to make it so that they become experienced in what they're going to need to do to be a really, one of the ways to be a really good interactive teacher in school. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Elena, um, again, she looks like she'd be pretty shy. And, and again, in, in the history class she took with me, I didn't give her a chance to talk much, <laughs> but she really became a leader in the methods class. Um, she would take charge of a group, um, <laughs> excuse me, and then I'd, I'd, what really sticks out in my mind is when she would, you know, I'd give them these documents to to analyze and to try to, again, fashion questions and all that. And she was so good at, at uh, articulating, getting right to the, the main ideas in the document and talking about them and, and fashioning questions, which is not, easy to do for anybody, but especially when sometimes they've only had these documents for a few minutes or, you know, they've only read it maybe through once. And, you know, I was so impressed by the way she, you know, could dial that in on these documents and then, like I say, articulate it so clearly. Uh, so, it, you know, it, she was easily, you know, the, uh, the leader in these methods classes, which mm -hmm. wasn't an easy thing to do because you're surrounded by folks that want to be leaders. And you know, want to be the kind of the center of attention. Now, not all teachers are like that, or uh -huh. social studies ed majors. But you know, these are usually students that are fairly confident, and you know, know that they're you know they want to perform well. So for her to rise to that and and so naturally stand out um, among uh, other really outstanding students really said something. And that experience, like you said, um, in the classroom, Dr. Clark, I always remember you calling on me um, <laughs> for on questions and with those documents and everything. And that also pushed me to take that more leadership position. I had the same experience in my um, education courses with um, other professors, too. And I think that's also what helped me grow so much and become so more confident in myself and less shy. And obviously that works for me very well now that I'm going to be a teacher and it worked for me very well during my student teaching. Um, like this podcast is, for example, something that I would never would have done. I would have been way too shy to do this before. Um, but it really has, it pushed me to take more of a leadership role. And during my student teaching, I 
reached out to other teachers and wanted to learn more about how they do their classroom. And I actually made a connection with the teacher during my student teaching um, that I was able to connect with a professor that I know at Indiana State because he uh, does a lot of research with kids that have IEPs or a disability of some sort, um, emotional disabilities in particular, developmental, and he works with them. He has this program that he's created and I wanted to, he had briefly mentioned to me that he wanted to get that to future teachers and college students. And so I immediately made that connection and kind of took that leadership role and got him connected to my connection at ISU. And he was so thankful, so excited, and I'm so excited. I hope that he gets that information out like he wants to. That's great. Wonderful. Well, this will be kind of a good segue into kind of where I wanted to lead the next discussion, and, and both of you can chime in as we go through this, is um, Dr. Clark is uh, the coordinator of the Social Studies Education Program. Elena, you're obviously a major, uh, especially in these trying times during the COVID crisis as most schools and universities are moving to remote learning. Uh, what is the importance about uh, teaching history and, and teaching uh, social studies? And uh, what are the challenges when you ultimately get into that? And ultimately, what are the challenges going to be moving forward with, with education at the, at the local level? Well, I can, I could take that. I mean, it's well, one thing, you know, um, this is something usually we talk about in the beginning of the methods class. And social studies kind of you know what's the importance and I always think about this because I worry about at, at some point these these you know the social studies ed uh, students are eventually going to become teachers and they're always at some point they're going to get challenged by a student or a parent that's going to ask them you know point blank well you know what the heck does my student does my kid need this for you know we're you know something like that and I always feel it's incumbent on me to try to help them develop a response. Um, you know, and that's on a, that sounds very practical, but in, in the whole scheme of things, you know, I think, you know, teachers are, are, especially history teachers, have to be representative of the life of learning. They have to be able to, they're, they're living representatives of the importance of You know that life of learning doesn't sound right, but of, of getting the 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 arts and sciences, what you call liberal arts education, ideal, um, and we talk about that a lot at the college level, but they're really representatives of that at the local level, and so you know I always feel, you know, I'm pushing them to kind of develop a response to a parent that says, "What do you need history for?" But really, it's more about you know trying to get them to understand what they're representing as teachers. Mm-hmm. And to be able to articulate that, um, so for me, you know, the the importance is not just um, well, you, you know, some of the the classic things that well, you've got to learn from the past and how you're going it, to. It's also about the skills that you get from learning history, the intellectual skills, the analysis, the ability to to think about you know these complex um, interactions of the past, and. Uh, and yes, they have lessons for the present and the future, but it also has the you know the the intellectual lessons that you get uh, from from thinking about these complexities and these interactions, and then hopefully, if you're teaching it right, uh, having to communicate it 
and, and the written word. I always one of my favorite things to always say is, good writing is just good thinking on paper. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I, I hope that that students will come out of those kind of those classes with me or any history teacher, and particularly the social studies ed teachers that I'm teaching, and will be able to um, be good thinkers. Um, now that's not the greatest answer, perhaps, but uh, it's one that I do try to help the students develop uh, when they're in the methods class. Right. Wonderful. Go ahead, Elena. I'm sorry. Oh, um, I was just going to add on to that. I mean, there's so many other thinking like skills that the students use whenever they're looking at history and thinking about it, like critical thinking skills, for example, which is a big one that a lot of schools push. They want their students to be able to have problem solving skills and critical thinking skills and history really um, highlights that. Um, using those primary source documents, which I use in the classroom a lot, even with middle school, um, showing them these different perspectives, which is also part of just being a good person and a good citizen, um, creating these uh, thoughts and looking at things from different perspectives. I always like to show the information in multiple different ways and from multiple different perspectives and use those primary sources and really make them think like, oh, why? Why did this happen? Or why did we write it this way and why did they write it this way? Um, we look at it like that in college too, and to really start that thinking process whenever they're so young or whenever they're right about to go into college or right about to become a citizen, like become a, an adult and think this way, it's so important to kind of create that way of thinking. I don't know if there's any other classes that really um, pushes them to do that. Yeah, following up on that, uh, again, we tried to. I tried to push that a lot in the beginning part of the, of the methods course that that I teach that Elena took, and uh, that's you know so critical that whole idea of citizenship. Um, you know, it, it sometimes can sound a little corny that uh, well, this is what, but you know, this is really what you know. Ideally, you're hoping to to you know have these students come out and be. Uh, thinking citizens think for themselves, not just follow the herd mentality. Uh, and obviously, and I'm, I'm not taking any credit at all for for how Elena articulated it. She did a fantastic job. That's something you know. Again, we talk about it for a day or two in in, in our class, and uh, I might mention it here and there and push it. But it's really something I think that that teachers, the ones that really get it, um, they they start to understand that when they go out and are responsible to. A class that uh, and, and responsible for having to craft the lessons and uh, and think about what they're doing, um, you know that that big picture that you're trying to make thinking citizens ultimately. Um, now you're not going to get get you're not going to connect with everybody, but you know that's that's the ultimate goal. Um, so it, it's gratifying to hear Miss Thomas uh, say it so eloquently. Yeah, it's a wonderful job. It was so fun to see that happen with the middle schoolers. I would give them these issues and show them these sources, and then they would come off with these different opinions, and it was fun to kind of play devil's, devil's advocate with them sometimes and see them trying to support their arguments. It was really fun. They did a good job. That's great. Great. 
And Elena, you had mentioned that uh, your, where your student teaching had been taking place, and I think you were telling us a little bit before the podcast started about um, you know where you're at and where you're going. But just for our audience's benefit, tell us you know what what are your future plans once uh, your time in Indiana State is finished. Um, so hopefully I will get a job <laughs> somewhere. I haven't accepted a job yet. I've been putting out a bunch of applications, but that's overall the goal is to become a teacher, um, get my get a job, um, complete my licensure material. So that's been put on hold due to the COVID-19, but um, soon, hopefully, I'll have some more interviews. I've had a few interviews um, different places, but I've applied various places throughout the state, and I, a lot of people have an idea whether they want to be a middle school teacher or a high school teacher, and I do not. Um, I really enjoy both, so I would not have my feelings hurt at all if I got a job, middle school, or high school either way. Wonderful. And Dr. Clark, when you're not molding the future teachers like Elena of you know of Indiana, tell us what are you working on right now? Is there any research you're working on? Any any special project uh, that you'd like to talk about? Well, um, I think as you might know, um, I'm pretty deep in uh, writing, researching, and writing the history of ISU. Um, the first volume is almost done. This whole uh, COVID-19 thing has thrown my, I, I was almost done writing the last chapter of, it's seven chapters in volume one, it, it ends, it takes Indiana State from its founding through World War II, and, <coughs> excuse me, basically I have World War II left to write, and, uh, uh, but then the grading piled up on me, and uh, I wasn't able to, uh, to, to quite finish it, I'm looking forward to this weekend getting back into it, um, so, my, my background is, is American intellectual history. My first book was on uh, the idea of, of going to college and how that became prominent in American notions of, of success and uh, particularly masculine identity. Uh, it was a fun book to research and write. I still love uh, thinking and talking about it. And that set me up pretty well when the opportunity came to uh, write the, a new history of, of Indiana State. It was something I always kind of thought would be interesting, but it has been uh, wonderful. Um, and again, I'm almost done with that first volume. Um, that should come out sometime in early early next year, 2021. <coughs> Excuse me. And then this summer, and uh, I'm going to start in on on the second volume. Um, still got a little research left to do on that, although quite a bit of that is done. But the, the normal school, which is what Indiana State was founded as, really is a, a fantastic institution that I think deserves a lot more credit, uh, not just in Indiana, but nationwide, and I could talk a lot longer about that. They were just phenomenal institutions uh, that, uh, you know, you didn't have to have Latin or Greek to get into in the 19th century, and so they attracted, and of course, and, and high schools were just a new thing um, in the late 19th century, and so um, unlike IU or Purdue, you know, the normal school was the only place that uh, students, kids could go that maybe didn't have a high school in their area, but they were very smart and had the best education they could. So it was an institution of access for um, bright and aspiring Hoosiers that just didn't have the opportunities that, that some of the more urban kids did with the, with the high schools. And um, 
well, the things that they did, uh, you know, they, they, they often started out as teachers, but they ended up going into all sorts of different things, medicine, law, uh, all sorts of business professions. Uh, and the, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm coming in. You know, what's, what's so wonderful is, is how the normal school, uh, again, was this underappreciated institution in American history uh, that was a stepping stone for so many, um, so many Hoosiers that, that didn't have the opportunities, as I said, mm-hmm. educationally that, that others had. And I think it's remained that way. So um, that's been one of the, the gratifying things about doing the history is really gaining a, a new appreciation of the school that you teach at. And it's, it's, long, uh, it's long history, it's very proud history uh, of, of supplying uh, a great education. Really, it was a college level. Eventually, it became a college level, even when it, when it was called a normal school. Um, and to be able to provide that to uh, to the Hoosiers, again, mostly from the working class, farmers, uh, kids, things like that, really is a, a wonderful story that I'm happy to to be able to tell more about. Wonderful. The, the, the weird thing I was, I was going to mention is that now that I walk around campus and I keep seeing where, you know, well, well that's where this building was. And, <laughs> and uh, these, these streets were here and this is where the students lived. Uh, I, I, you know, now when I walk around the campus, I... You, um, have these ghosts, I guess you could say, that are all around uh, all the time, uh, that are keeping me company, and, and uh, um, you know, again, you, you see the campus in a whole different way. Well, we're all excited to read it. We we hopefully that you you'll be able to, as you said, dive back in and and hopefully get it taken care of. Um, it's actually a perfect segue to kind of how I wanted to wrap up uh, this podcast. Is you know, you were talking about how what a great uh, opportunity Indiana State has offered from the time it was a normal school to, to even now. And for both of you, Elena and Dr. Clark, um, w- what's some advice that you would give to incoming students or to students who are considering Indiana State to make their experiences uh, as good as Elena's or as good as you know the people you've read about, Dr. Clark? Yeah. Well, um, one thing that, you know, that came out when, when uh, Ms. Thomas was talking is um, during the college years, ideally, you're going to mature and you're going to become more of an adult. And, uh, but, you know, I guess this sounds kind of uh, like a fatherly advice, uh, but you have to meet it halfway. You know, it just doesn't happen magically. Um, you know, like when Miss Thomas was talking, she kind of made a conscious choice. Yes, she was inspired by some of the professors and some of the experiences, but she she made had to make a choice to engage and to want to learn. Um, it's not like a you know a, a vessel you know you're just like a of coffee where you're going to pour pour knowledge into somebody's head. The students have to have to want that as well, and that goes back again to the students that came here um, to Indiana State. Yeah, there, there's always going to be some that that weren't sure what they're going to do, but you know the. Uh, uh, the, a lot of the professors always talked about that in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. The students that came, um, they wanted to be here, and they wanted to learn. They realized the opportunities that that education offered, um, and really took it. So, I some of my advice would be: you know, Indiana State's a, a wonderful institution, um, great professors. Uh, it's got the mix of a big school and a small school. These are the kind of things that I say to parents when they come by and visit. Uh, and uh, with their with their children and, and think about and 
um, do they want to come to any estate? But you know, at, at the end of the day, the, you know, the students have to embrace that experience. They have to take a hold of it and make the most of it. And the students that, like Ms. Thomas, that do that are, are going to come out of here with as good of an education as you're going to get practically anywhere. Right. I think that the experience really is what you make it. Um, I think that personally, I sat down with, I say I sat down, but I sat down with myself and I was just like, I want to just really jump into the experience and I want to do the best that I can. And I set goals for myself and I have achieved those goals and they just have become very important to me um, with my education as well as just with being a person, like growing up, like I said, and I really have jumped into jumped into it socially as well. And I took every experience for granted, I think. Um, <laughs> I took advantage of every opportunity that I could get, and I am glad that I did. I am so happy that I did that because I have had such a great time. And I think that's really what made me grow up and mature is setting those goals, but also um, taking advantage of all the opportunities that I had and just having a great time. And like I said, not being shy and putting myself out there, um, it really made the difference. Wonderful. Well, all good advice. And again, we, we really appreciate uh, both of you joining us here today for this podcast. Elena, uh, congratulations again on graduating. Uh, we wish you the best of luck as you move forward with your career and uh, as, especially your teaching career as you uh, job search. And uh, Dr. Clark, thanks again. We uh, always appreciate our faculty member taking the time out. And uh, thanks for being a, a great spokesperson for both of you, actually, a great spokesperson for Indiana State. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Well, Elena, good luck. You know, I, as Dr. Clark was saying, I know it's a trying time, but from all what I've heard from, from Dr. Clark and everyone else, you've been a great student, and, and uh, I don't expect anything but uh, greatness from you as you get on your teaching career. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Caleb. Sycamore's Making History is made possible by the support of the Indiana State University Department of History. Music provided by Tim Hawkins, programming by Steve Stofferin, and technical advice by Lori Henson and Martin Collins. Thank you for listening.